0: There's an old Kenny Rogers song, and it was named The Greatest, if you've heard of it. Uh, it has a story to it, and the story is about a a happy little boy who went out to a field. He had his ball hat on, and in on one hand he had his baseball, and his other hand he had his trusty bat, and he went out into the field to play some ball with himself, and he took the ball and he threw it up into the air, swinging his bat, yelling, I'm the greatest batter in the world. He swung the bat and he missed. Strike one, the boy yelled. So he takes his his ball, he examines it to make sure that there's nothing wrong with it. He throws it up in the air once more and he swings the bat, yelling, I'm the greatest batter in the world. He misses once again. Strike two, he says. One more time, he, he picks up the ball and he takes his bat. He, he looks his bat over to make sure there's not a hole in it or anything. And so he takes the ball one more time. He throws the ball into the air, swings his bat with all of his might, and he misses once more. The boy says to himself, wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world, <laughs> Today is the first Sunday of 2020. And as we look back over the last 12 months, I'm not sure that whether most of you would consider yourselves to be batters or pitchers. But one thing is for sure is that we have all struck out from time to time. So I guess it's a good thing that we have this opportunity today in 2020 to start fresh and to start new. Boys and girls will be heading back to school tomorrow, and and our young people are headed back to college to to get started. And and the uh, celebrations of the holidays are, are past us, and and most of us adults have gone back to our jobs and and begin our activities of the new year. And as we anticipate the next twelve months, some of us here this morning we may be looking forward to what each day will bring while others of us might be filled with dread worried about this year and and what this year is going to bring and that it may be worse than the last like that little boy with his baseball and his baseball bat I would suggest that our attitudes would make all of the difference in the world for this coming year it's how we react To its events that will largely determine whether this year is going to be a year of victory or a year of defeats. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to hold in waiting. We'll be in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians, chapter 3, and we'll be reading verses 12 through 16 together. Apostle Paul, he was never one to let circumstances conquer him, rather, with the help of God, he was determined to win over the victor's crown. And as we read together this morning, Philippians 3, listen to the attitude of Paul as it shines through in these words. Philippians 3, 12-16, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning. It says, now that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and struggling forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul's personality here, I think it's really shining through in these verses. And with these thoughts, Paul lays out some principles concerning our attitudes that we can carry with us into this new year. And the first of those principles is forgetting your past. We have to forget our past moving into this new year as we start over. At the end of verse 13, Paul said, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, humans are, are very special beings in, in that God has given us the ability to Remember. Some of us can remember as far back to our early childhood and things that had gone on. However, it's our memories that can be our best friend, or they can also be our worst enemy. And Paul, if you remember Paul's life, he had a dreadful past. It could have easily haunted him for all the, for the rest of his life if he allowed it to. Paul, he persecuted. The church. He killed Christians. And by his own admission, he even said, I am the chief of sinners. See, Paul could have walked around his entire life carrying this burden on himself and with the guilt just crippling him that he would have never became the greatest apostle and missionary for God that he went on to be. And I think that many people tend to dwell on their past failures, on their mistakes that they've made in life, and on their sins so much that they become spiritually paralyzed. They're unable to live productively for God. But Paul is telling us here that we can turn our past sins and failures over to God, and then we can start moving forward to what lies ahead. Someone once said that our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fall. And we've failed many times throughout our life, although we may not specifically remember it. We fell down the first time that we ever tried to walk. And we probably almost drowned the first time that we ever tried to swim, Babe Ruth. He struck out thirteen hundred and thirty times. But he also hit seven hundred and fourteen home runs. R. H. Macy failed seven times before his New York department store finally caught on. So we can allow ourselves to become fixated on our failures. And we are human. We make mistakes. We sin, we we fail, we we fall from time to time. But what is worse is missing the opportunities that God puts in front of us because we're afraid to fail. In a Nike advertisement some time ago, a voice came over the television saying this. It said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and I, and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And this is why I succeed. Those words were spoken by the, the great Michael Jordan. And by my most standards, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game of basketball. God once told the prophet Jeremiah that he would one day establish a new covenant with the children of Israel. And when, and when he did, he said, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That covenant was established when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And since that day, God's forgiveness is so complete that it's forgetfulness what I'm saying by that is that we've been washed by the blood of Christ. And because of that, God has forgotten all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings. And because of that, we should forget them as well. Now let's follow Paul's example here by forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now the first principle that Paul teaches for us in this new year is forgetting the past. Second, is we have to focus our priorities. Focusing our priorities. In verse 14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he prefaced that statement in verse 13, with but one thing I do. Now, if you, you know the story of Paul, you know that Paul did more than just one thing. Paul made tents. He preached sermons. He planted churches. He wrote books. You see, Paul did a lot of things. But what he's telling us here is that his top priority, priority in life was to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. So Paul says here again, verse 14, he says, I run straight toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's number one priority was the kingdom of heaven. He was running straight toward that goal and he was not going to let anything in life distract him from it. A while back, an expert on the subject of time management was speaking to a, a college class, a class of business students. And after speaking to them for a while, he said, now we're going to have a test. So he pulled out a one gallon wide mouth mason jar and he took that jar and he began to take a bunch of rocks from under the table, size of about tennis balls, he began to easily put each one of those rocks inside that jar until the jar was full. And he asked the students, he said, is this jar full? Everyone in the class said, yes, the jar is full. The man said, really? And then he reached under the table and he pulled out a bucket of gravel and he began to dump the gravel into the mason jar, shaking it so that the gravel would fall down between the rocks as as he shook it, and then he smiled and he asked the group of kids one more time. He said, "Is the jar full?" Now by this time the the class has started to catch on to where this is going, and and they said, "No, it, it's probably not full." And the man said, "Good, you're, you're you're catching on." And then he started to dump sand into the jar. Until it filled up to the top, it filled in all the spaces between the rocks. And once more, he said, is the jar full? And the class shouted, no. And again, the man shouted, good. And then he grabbed a pitcher of water and he began to pour the water into the mason jar until it filled up to the brim of the jar. And he looked at the class and he asked, what is the point of this illustration? One of the students raised his hand and said, I know. He said, the point is that no matter how full your schedule is, if you try really hard, then you can always fit something more into it. The man said, no, that's not the point of the illustration. He said, the point of the illustration is this. It teaches us that if you don't put the big rocks in first, then you will never get them all in. Brothers and sisters, I'm asking you this morning, what are the big rocks in your life? And as you look ahead over this year, what are your priorities? Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Drawing closer to God through worship. Drawing closer to God by, by spending time with Him, by, by reading His Word and spending time in prayer, seeking His, His guidance for your life. These should be the big rocks inside of our jar. And if you are considering a resolution for this new year, let me encourage you this morning with two suggestions. Suggestion number one is to set aside 30 minutes every day to spend personal time with God. Spending time in His Word in prayer with Him. And I know for some of you this morning are thinking, well, I've tried this, but it's just, it's hard for me. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to open the Bible to. If you've struggled with this, I, I encourage you to, uh, Talk with Bree Cottle. Talk with my wife. They've begun a new study through the entire Bible and it breaks it down chapter by chapter and it gives you instructions of how to read through the entire Bible. It gives you a place to start. And number two, I challenge you to be more involved in God's kingdom. By that I mean young people. Getting involved in youth group, getting involved in Bible studies with your peers, inviting them to church, sharing that time together, growing closer to God. Adults, that's getting involved in a small group Bible study that we have here at the church. We have many of them getting involved in one of those, getting plugged into service projects that Tim offers all the time. It's a sad and and persistent fact that many Christians don't make the kingdom a priority in their lives. And I'm not preaching at you. Let me get that straight this morning. I'm preaching to myself. Those who feel like they're doing their spiritual duty by going to church one Sunday a week, and they think that's enough to get them into heaven by punching their spiritual time card and not seeking first His kingdom. But if we intend to press on toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers, then we need to make God and His kingdom a top priority in our life. And what better time to do that than today? And there's just one more principle that Paul offers for us in the new year, and that's functioning in the present. If we look at verse 13 again, Paul says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. I want you to notice here that Paul didn't say one thing I will do. He didn't say one thing I'm going to do. He didn't say one thing I'm going to do when I get around to it someday. He said, one thing I do. See, Paul was living his life in the present. And I think many people today, they, they want to live their lives in the future. You know what the busiest day in the world is going to be? It's not going to be Christmas. It's not going to be the day after Thanksgiving. But it's someday." Because everybody has to do something someday. How many of you have ever said to yourselves that someday I'm going to do this or someday I'm going to do that. Someday I'm going to go on that Mexico mission trip that we have every summer. Someday I'm going to serve at the Haven House. Someday, I'm I'm going to get involved with that group that goes to Children's Mercy to serve for those who are less fortunate than myself. But the fact is that someday will never come. Paul's the ultimate example living each day to the fullest. Living each day as if it were your last. Last. When he was in, imprisoned in Rome, he didn't sit there stewing over, over what was going on and, and having pity upon himself, thinking about the things that he was going to do when he got out of jail. But instead, he wrote letters to churches. He sang praises to God, even converting some of those who had imprisoned him. Paul chose to live every day to the fullest. Benjamin Franklin once said, He said, Do you love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff that time, that life is made of. And it was Abraham Lincoln who first said, The leading rule for, for a man of every calling is diligence, never putting off to, until tomorrow. What you can do today. And then perhaps the, the saddest example of procrastination is found in the life of the Roman governor, Felix, who he listened to Paul speak about his faith in Christ and Christ Jesus. But he was, when he was discussing righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened. And he said to Paul, he said, go away for the presence And when I find time, I'll summon you. But the sad truth is that never again did Felix listen to the word of God. Once he had put it off for a time, as with so many things in life, that time never came. I think we ought to be more like the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 60. He said, "I, I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. So friends, I want to ask you some very serious questions, and I want you to think about these questions this morning. What if there were no church next week because you were too busy to worship God today? What if God couldn't hear your prayers tomorrow because you were too busy to pray to Him today? What if there were no Bible tomorrow? Because you were too busy to read his word today. What if there were no forgiveness tomorrow because you couldn't stop sinning today? What if there were no invitation tomorrow because you did not respond today? As we embark on this journey of this new year, let us determine ahead of time that this will be a year of victory. Let us choose our own attitudes and follow the advice of the apostle Paul. Resolve to forget your past. Forget your past, looking beyond the sins and failures of yesterday, learning from them, repenting of them, and then moving forward, focusing your priorities. Place God at the very top of your to-do list. Make Him a priority in your life every day. Worship Him. Study His Word. Put His kingdom in your life and I guarantee you everything else will fall into place. I promise you that. And function in the presence. Stop living life in the future. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Colton, Dan, you can come forward. This morning, the absolute best way that you can start off this new year is to become a part of God's eternal kingdom. Focus your priorities by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Allow the cleansing power of his blood to wash away your past sins and start living your life for Christ every day. The Bible tells us in second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 this invitation it's open to, to you all to all of us if you're ready this morning to, to be baptized, to give your life to Christ for the very first time, then you have that opportunity now. But if, if you're already a Christian, if you've already made that step to accept Christ into your life, but you just need a fresh start. Things haven't gone your way over this past year. You've made some mistakes, but you're ready to get your life back on track and submit to God. And you have an opportunity this morning to come forward and make today the first day of the rest of your life. So that's your invitation this morning. Are you going to accept God's call? Are you going to keep living your life the way that you've been living all year? You have an opportunity today to start over for God. As we stand and sing, let's stand and I'll close this in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we just thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for your promises of, of eternal life, Father. We thank you for your Son who gave us that opportunity because of the blood that he shed on the cross. We thank you for your grace and, and your mercy, your forgiveness, your love, Father, that um, gives us the opportunity as sinners to come before you and, and uh, know that we belong to you despite our shortcomings. Father, I pray that as we begin in this new year, Father, that we would follow the example of Paul and and, uh, just making you the priority in our lives, spending more time with you, growing closer to you each day. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for Jesus, and we pray this in his holy name. Amen.